When traders tell us how to make Thinkorswim even better, we listen. They asked for a version they could access anywhere, no download necessary. We heard them. And when they asked to execute a preset trade strategy in seconds, we said absolutely. Feedback like this inspired us to build Thinkorswim Web, and it continues to push us. So our entire suite of platforms never stops getting better. Because platforms this innovative aren't just made for traders, they're made by them. Thinkorswim Trading from TD Ameritrade. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Blue Wire. The Philadelphia 76ers select Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Here comes Simmons between the legs. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the New Slant Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Newbeck, and this week, our podcast once again being brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, which, you know, we always got to thank them for helping us pay the bills. With me, as he is every week, my buddy, my pal, my soon to be South Philly neighbor or neighborhood partner, I suppose, Seamus Clancy. Seamus, how are you? I'm just going to start stacking up my all that bet online ad money to save up for a ps5 did you catch any of that i know you had a busy day oh did i you see anything that came in i i caught it and no, i didn't catch the beginning because i was out and about doing some stuff today but uh i did see some of the i saw all the games now just before we sat down to podcast all the games that were in the stream i saw the look of the console i will obviously just throw money at it whenever they make it available to pre-order or, or buy in stores, but uh, story for another podcast, I suppose. Yeah. Is there anything that you're particularly excited for from uh, the stream? I, act- I actually didn't play the most recent generation of games. Like I was big on Xbox 360 and PS3. So just because I was like in the middle of college, didn't get a system and just there seemed like no reason for me to do it where I was at, but now I really want to get back into it and get PS5. Like I didn't play that Spider-Man PS4 game. It was really good. To, and PS5 is backwards compatible, and they announced that Miles Morales Spider-Man game. I also missed the most recent, you know, Batman Arkham game, and I'd like to check that stuff out. I knew there's a new Elder Scrolls game in the works too. So I'm I'm not like a Call of Duty, you know, first person online person. I'm yeah. more of a you know action adventure RPG type player so i think there's going to be plenty for you from the uh the live yeah. stream we saw today um Good. before we go too deep down the video game wormhole or the basketball wormhole for that matter uh seamus and i took last week off from the podcast we had actually discussed we were going to do the podcast and have a big talk about uh the george floyd situation the protests around the country both you know, the, the content of the, the protests and what's going on itself, but also how it's impacted the Sixers. We ended up deciding we wanted to take that time off and give other people, other voices a chance to, to speak up, predominantly uh, black Americans, people of color, so that they could have 
their moment to vent their frustrations that they have in this country. But Seamus and I also didn't want to pass the buck on talking about it completely. So just be forewarned, that's how we're opening the podcast. If you want to skip past this section, that's certainly your choice, but we are going to talk about some. So I guess the first thing I would ask Seamus is, did you end up going to any of these protests? And what do you, what is it as... Has any of this changed your outlook on, you know, like how we respond to police brutality and systemic racism and the things that are being talked about this? Because this feels like it feels different to me than other recent moments we've had in this country. Yeah, I think back to Ferguson in 2014 and the first time we really heard about this you know, Black Lives Matter movement. And to think of where we were then, where it was even controversial just to say the phrase out loud, not saying that it was incorrect, it was certainly the right thing to say, but from a general population standpoint, a media standpoint, a public relations standpoint, you know, brands and companies and news networks certainly weren't saying that in a positive way as they should have been. But now it's something that has gotten a lot of mainstream coverage i've I've seen people on instagram that i may have grown up with going to high school college with say that and post something about that uh, in a manner i would have never expected from them in the past i've been uh you know posting a lot of donation links and on my twitter account just trying i mean there's i don't know exactly what to do i'm trying to learn i'm trying to educate myself the simplest thing i can do is you know use some of my means to donate money to specific funds that i think are worthwhile and that could help people other people that are more knowledgeable about me than me about the situation I've recommended. So for those of you out there who want to help, want to make a difference, I would suggest just, you know, greater sense of awareness, educate yourself, read other people's works, read the work of people of color, listen to them. It's their time to talk. You don't need to be putting yourself out there. You need to listen to them. And then maybe attend a protest. If you're not comfortable with that right yet, go donate some money. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to, you know, take my strides and you know be more vocal about it than i have in the past black lives matter yeah so to your point i think there are several books that i would recommend people read just to understand the problems and the the systemic rot that inspire action like this i I think one of the most important books i ever read was the new jim crow by michelle alexander it's about the mass incarceration in America and and how that impacts black Americans and people of color specifically. It'll be, if you have never read it or read about, you know, how the criminal justice system works uh, on any in-depth level, that was an eye opener for me. Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates wrote a book called Between the World and Me. It's, uh, I guess it's considered a memoir, but it's like, it's a letter that he writes to his son about growing up black in America and his experiences that he's had and people adjacent to him in his life, friends, uh, former students that he was with uh, in school before he ended up dropping out, colleagues, et cetera, et cetera. Those are two, two books that I think had a big impact on just, you know, how I think about these things. And I guess as that applies to the current moment, I think the thing it's it's a combination of factors. I think the George, that George Floyd's death was 
it's it was hard there was no two sides to it you know a lot of times people try yeah, to absolutely. turn it into well if he did this differently or he shouldn't have done this like there was none of that surrounding george floyd's death because of the video evidence that was there and you know that's not to say that there hasn't been incidents like that in the past we just haven't had as effective video and as many people filming these incidents in the past and you have to believe people of color when they tell you these things have been happening for a long time but i think the combination of how vivid that image was alongside that you know people have been out of work and have just been sitting in their homes and they feel like like look i'm going this is the time that i have to stand up to to something that's been going on in this country basically since its inception that black americans are being stepped on killed and taken for granted abused in many different ways and you know i i was not at all of these protests but i've been out i've been certainly in my neighborhood i was close to uh, some of these showdowns they've had in Fishtown, where there were some of the residents. The fucking twenty six district thing. Yeah, so I was on the other side uh, of that one. Uh, I've been to some other. I've been to some of the other bigger ones, trying to distance myself a little bit so that I'm not exposing myself or people around me to any additional risks uh, as a result of COVID. But Certainly. You know, I just think the the most important thing here is that people take the time, especially white people who don't have to deal with the same prejudices and biases that others in America have to deal with, to just sit and think about, you know, what you haven't had to deal with in this country. And, and maybe, like, if you have friends or family that that say things that, you know, this was a problem for me for a long time. Like, when you're growing up, you might have you know, like an uncle or a family friend or something. Stereotypical racist uncle. Yeah, yeah. that says some something fucked up. And, you know, you have to grow to a point where you feel comfortable pushing back on that. Like it's, you know, you're raised to respect your elders and all that. And you don't know where the line is on certain things. And then there's a different battle with friends of yours. Like I, I think, and you can tell me if you've had this experience, Seamus, not even with friends, but like being in a, at a bar somewhere and you're around like other white people and some people, some white people just think that it's okay because they're amongst other white people to say something racist or like over the line and that they're quote unquote amongst friends. And like, that's the sort of shit that I have tried to do a better job of pushing back on. And that's not always a comfortable thing to do. Like, I'm not trying to Absolutely get into not. it with strangers all the time, but that if they don't feel comfortable out in public, that's the way that you might be able to to change people in some ways. So this is all a very uh, scattered way of saying that this is a constant battle. It's not always about a big protest. Sometimes it's about just controlling the situations right in front of you, but it's it's certainly about just being aware of of all the ways that racism and these systemic issues manifest in our everyday lives. Yeah, I think a lot of people say, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can help. We did kind of outline the protest thing. Educate yourself. Read another book that I would recommend reading that's, I think it's at the top of the New York Times bestseller right now is White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. I currently have, I'm currently on the the wait list. It's backordered at uh, the local bookstore novel 
ideal on East Pass Junk. You're soon to be your current local bookstore, Kyle. Yeah, buddy. Um, so, you know, you could do that. And also, like you said, don't be scared to be, you know, the voice of reason, the voice of justice in your inner circle, in your family circle. People say, what can I do? Well, that's the first step. If you're scared to say that, imagine how other people are scared to actually go through and live their lives. The least you could do is speak up yeah. about what's right. And I think like there are people like people in my line of work that won't speak up on Twitter because they're afraid of losing followers. And it's the same kind of deal where it's like, dude, if the only reason those people are sticking around is because you're not standing up to racism or, you know, even if it's another subject, like if it's sexism, if it's people who are against like the LGBTQ community, like if those people are only around because you won't address those things, I like, I can only speak for myself, but I don't want those sort of people reading my work and supporting me and supporting this podcast. Like I, I am certainly, I'm when it comes to being receptive to ideas on a broader scale, I'm always willing to listen to people, but there are not always two sides to a story like sometimes there is one side that is right one side that needs to win that deserves all of the airtime and in this case there is no place for for racism for anti-semitism etc like the these are very obvious things that you know i probably took for granted growing up in suburbia where we didn't have to deal with a lot of problems with the police and, and you know the the racial makeup of the community contributed to that. Like a lot of white officers feel safe around a lot of other white people. And, you know, it, just growing up and, and living in different places and going through different experiences. I, I have a lot more understanding of that now. And so, yeah, that's about all I think I have to contribute on this subject other than telling people to make sure that they, they try to understand what other people go through regardless of what their background is. Yeah, if you're if you're white, you're listening to this, just listen to people of color for, you know, for the first time in your life yet again, whatever it may be, step back and let them have the floor here. And by the way, if you do have, you know, black friends, family members, family friends, whatever it is, now is also not the time to go to them and like ask them to be your guide. Like it's your responsibility to figure things out on your own and you're putting more on their plate at a time when they're dealing with a lot. They're having a lot of their, like their quote unquote white friends come to them and doing the, like the cheesy, like check-in with them, even though they're not that close and they think they're closer than they actually are. Like do not add more burdens onto people. Just try to be, someone who cares about other people and is willing to to listen and learn that's all we can be separate from this issue but also connected to this issue that's all we can do in life is try to be as open and receptive to learning new things uh, as possible and honest and the people who are going to unfollow you on twitter for this are the people who have the shittiest sports takes anyway this is true you mean the people i'm muting and the people i'm blocking or whatever are unfollowing me they're gonna they probably would have said the dumbest shit to me ever anyway so their loss i don't want them reading my stuff and i, I don't want to come off as holy or that like 
oh, I spoke up and I lost 100 followers. That means I'm doing yeah. my job. No, I'm just saying, like, I'm just encouraging other people, like, don't give a shit about your online clout or whatever. Or just, like, be authentic. Don't give a shit about what these clearly intelligent, ignorant people have to say. And go on from there. Educate yourself. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and to segue this into talking about the Sixers, which is why most of you listen to this podcast, I think you've seen... A lot of people seen, listen just for the ad reads. <laughs> I think you've seen a lot of people with the team get involved in ways that are you know, authentic to them, like Tobias Harris and Matisse Thibel participating in the march, Ben Simmons getting it, like... I don't know what Ben has actually done in terms of getting involved with the cause, but he's been outspoken, not just about this issue, but pushing back on the current president of the United States. Uh, I'm a little surprised we haven't heard anything from Joel Embiid on this topic, but you know, I, I certainly am not going to be the guy who's putting pressure on people just to say things for the sake of saying them. As this podcast proves, we were more concerned with, you know, letting, allowing for some time to compose ourselves and think of, of ways to put the right words together. Um, so I, I, I generally think that guys on the team have done an excellent job of, you know, not just speaking out on this issue, but being involved with their community. And, you know, we get wrapped up in if Tobias Harris is worth his contract and his play on the court and all this stuff. And I think in these moments you do see the value that the Sixers see in him as a person. Like he is a natural leader in a lot of ways. He's a guy who wants to, to bring people together. And I think even in a situation like this, you can see that shine through. So I, I think that between him protesting and Tobias speaking out against that Montgomery County politician who had some awful, awful things to say regarding the Black Lives Matter movement. I think he has been aces over the last few weeks or so. Not that he needs my approval, of course, just to make it clear. Yeah. We're yeah. not like the arbiters of the uh, the movement here. But I, I just, yeah. I think like, and Seamus, you can speak to this more than I can, it's like, I'm sure for some people, some people are going to get turned off by that and there's nothing, we don't care about them. There's nothing you can do about that. I would think a lot of people feel prouder to root for the team and for somebody like Tobias when they see them, you know, step up and lead in situations like these that have nothing to do with basketball. Oh my God. And I think, because they haven't played yet, you haven't really seen that in you know, the next time this summer, next month, six weeks from now, whatever, Tobias Harris has 26 points in the game. Those 26 points are going to feel even more important because of what you saw him doing in our, you know, mini offseason quarantine period, protest period. And I think to Malcolm Jenkins, who, while he was a fantastic player, he wasn't quite, you know, an all pro level player as, as an eagle, a pro bowler, you know, a fantastic leader. But everything he did off the field with the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation, well, he, the team let him go for some fucking reason. Now he's on the Saints. He's still in Philadelphia and protesting. And that makes me hate the Eagles even more for letting him go and <laughs> makes me respect everything he did on the field for the Eagles even more. And I think that, you know, the players in the Sixers haven't played yet since all this has happened. But I think the potential there uh, is strong for fans to get even closer to these players uh, emotionally, 
and you know have a greater respect for who they are and maybe not be so quick to criticize you know different aspects of their game just because when you see them out in the streets when you see them taking a stand they're true authentic fully formed people they're not just these players we watch on tv from x amount of miles away the real people who are taking stands again on real important issues yeah and i i think that's a great point because you know i see these guys when they have their guard down to some extent in the locker room and you can talk to them about all different things like you know what books tobias harris is reading or what music josh richardson is listening to or ben simmons's obsession with video games and you know so on and so forth like there are just as hobbies these guys have are all over the map let alone like the causes they believe in their families their friends the things they it's like i they're there are people that are a lot more complicated than just guys who entertain people through sports every night. And I'm glad that in this respect, we're getting to see them in what I think is an overwhelmingly positive way and trying to not just make things better for themselves, but you know, the city they live in and the country that they're a part of. Like, I think that's a great thing. And I, I wish it had come sooner. Like, I wish that this was more, you know, I know everybody has more time right now, as we said, with uh, work stoppages and what have you. But uh, I'm I'm just glad that we have reached this moment. And I hope that once things start to normalize down the line, that it's still, that that fire is still lit and that people still stay involved, whether it's this issue or, or other things that are going to be coming down the pipeline eventually. Yeah, I don't want other white people or people in my life to just treat this as a blip and be like, oh, do you remember that time six months ago, a year ago, whatever, that everyone was really active? I want it to be a continuous thing. And, you know, I'm not a perfect person, but I want to continue making a difference, whether it's just, you know, what I'm doing right now is it's pretty simple. Just I don't make a lot of money, but I donate some of it every week now. And I plan on doing that. I'm donating some of the money, advertising money monthly uh, from my newsletter you know, promoting different black voices on Twitter, promoting different donations and foundations that donate to, um, you know, have donated a lot of money to the Malcolm Jenkins Foundation, specifically also Black Lives Matter Philadelphia, uh, the Philadelphia Bail Fund. I don't want it to be, for me, I can't speak for everyone, to be a thing that it's just a moment rather than, you know, something that becomes more along the lines of a lifestyle. Yeah, I agree, man. Or just an aspect of my personality, I should say. Maybe not lifestyle is not the right word. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I think that's that's what we should all take from this is it, it's not enough to just, you know, post a black square on your Instagram. This is something that is a lifelong commitment that all of us have to make that, you know, some people were more committed to it prior to this moment. And I hope that this is just somewhat of an awakening for a lot of people, even if it's not if you don't want to spend your whole life fighting for this cause specifically, there are still ways to get involved and to help people out that are, and to, to pursue the causes that matter to you. I think this is the most important one, or at least one of the most important ones that we all have to reckon with for this country to be the best country it can be and to move forward. But you know, I, I just hope that people are active and involved. Like I hate the people that say, that reduced this to, well, you got to go out and vote because as we've seen historically, voting is not enough yeah, to 
reckon with an issue like this one. So I just encourage people to. That's so like derivative and yeah. a meaningless statement is go out and vote. Yeah. So I, I just encourage people to stay involved, stay educated, certainly vote. But that's just one part of, of being a, a citizen in this democracy. And, and before we certainly. move on. Just one quick shout out to, I don't know if we have to change the name of the award because of this, but Rudy Gobert, who has been the namesake of the Loser of the Week Award since his uh, coronavirus screw up, had a tweet. He, He has spoken out a little bit about the Black Lives Matter movement and police brutality over the last few weeks. And I, I think the reply to him got deleted now, but somebody mocked him for speaking out in this context and i'll just read the the quote from his tweet he said it's not about me you dumb fuck it's about the ones that don't have a voice and you know i think that's applicable to us here like you know we don't have as big a voice as an nba player or a lot of other people certainly not a lot of other podcasts even but I, I think part of our responsibility as two people that have somewhat of a platform is to make sure that we don't ignore these things. And so I hope that we can continue talking about this stuff moving forward. Absolutely. And on that note, we're going to kick it over to our sponsor and we'll be right back to talk about basketball. So there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline's leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So, on the topic of basketball, as we are about 25 minutes into this podcast... Uh, the format appears to be set for the NBA. They're working through some discussions with the Players Association on particulars for setting up the bubble in Orlando. It seems like the players want things to be less strict, which is probably the worst possible thing in terms of corona containment and what have you, but so it goes. Uh, so 22 teams are going to go down. There will be eight more regular season games for every team. There is the possibility for a play-in tournament, which that's going to depend on how the race for the eighth seed in each conference shakes out. Um, What do you think, I guess, about the overall format, Seamus? Is this something that I know we discussed the several different options that were on the table, but is this one that you're ultimately happy with? I'm of two minds here in that it's smart to have this little eight game buffer to help with like, you know, finalizing playoff seeding and getting the rust off for a lot of different players and teams. But at the same point, I haven't seen basketball and, you know, by this time it'll be four months. I kind of, I wish we could get right back into it and being like the first game that is, is game one of the first round of a playoff series and it would have all that excitement whereas it's a little underwhelming that i might have to watch you know 
a Pacer Sun game is the first game back <laughs> after four months. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it makes sense uh, as a Sixers fan. Uh, while again, I would like to watch Sixers, you know, Celtics game one. I think that would be much more entertaining and uh, exhilarating uh, for a team like the Sixers, who you know, Joel Embiid's only struggled with conditioning issues. For a team that doesn't have a lot of cohesiveness, the team that really hasn't even, you know, their quote unquote starting five hasn't played a lot together even in this truncated season. Uh, it certainly helps. Them. So I, I think the thing that we haven't figured out yet, I haven't heard about yet from anywhere is how are they going to make this work schedule wise because there are going to be situations where so the schedule as has been reported is going to be the next eight games on everyone's schedule and in cases where they're going to play one of the eight eliminated teams that means that they'll be skipped over and teams will go to the next game well that's not always going to line up for all the different teams. And I think there was one case where I think it's for Toronto and Milwaukee. I believe that for Toronto, their eighth game is against Milwaukee. And that's only Milwaukee's seventh game. And then what would be Milwaukee's eighth game is against Toronto too. They have some kind of back-to-back. And so like you're, the Raptors aren't playing anymore. And so like that... I guess you have to skip over that game in the schedule and move on to some other team. But then if all the rest of the league is already finished, how do you solve that problem? So I'm sure there are smarter people than me with the league that have figured that out, but that's a potential hiccup. The other interesting thing is that the, the I don't think, at least this has not been reported or discussed yet, I don't think they're going to try to normalize things so everybody's played the same amount of games and that's going to give teams i i think that have played more games a a winning percentage advantage if, if they have the same record in these eight games so a team like i believe the portland trailblazers have played more games than some of their contemporaries fighting for the eighth seed in the west so you know i don't know that that's the best way to do that like oh you played more games before the stoppage so you might have a leg up getting the eight seed that seems kind of stupid to me but you know it's the best it's close to the best they were going to do and to your point Seamus I do think they needed to get some games in before they went straight back to the playoffs because you know you don't want Joel Embiid rolling out there looking like Celtics era Shaquille O'Neal or like a post-lockout guy. I, I know Joel has said... Post-lockout Sean Kemp. <laughs> I know that Joel said just yesterday, I believe, actually, that he's been working out six days a week for the last month. And, you know, I would love to believe the big fella on that one. I hope that's the case. I, I'd love to see him come back with a renewed sense of purpose and to prove he's among that elite of the elite in the league. But I will believe it when I see it. Yeah, I'm, I have zero confidence that he's coming back in shape. I, and I feel bad for feeling that way. But. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not trying to be, like, a dismissive asshole, but just, you know, I don't think many players are going to come back in shape. It's just the reality of the situation. I'm not coming back in shape after this. It is what it is. Yeah, it's, you know. Uh, I mean, that's what the eight games are for. That, they do have the eight games, and he's a guy who gets into shape most of the time playing. playing. So it's not the worst thing in the world for them. Uh, uh 
to the point of their specific schedule. I believe the eight games that they have to play are against the the Pacers, the Wizards, the Raptors, the Suns, Blazers, Rockets, Wizards again, and the Orlando Magic. So I don't think it's not – I think it's probably middle of the road as far as schedules go. It's fine. They have – like the Pacers game is important. The Raptors game is – they're not going to catch the Raptors, but a, a game against the Raptors is important. Um, the Rockets game, I I don't know how to pay. I think the Rockets one will be interesting because I think they might be jostling or tanking games for positioning depending on how things shake out. I think the interesting thing about this schedule is that, you know, the teams that are locked into the playoffs, some of them might just decide, you know, our guys are probably in good enough shape. We can punt some of these games and just hope that we're going to play. Like in Houston's case, maybe they want to try to position themselves to play Utah so Harden can turn Rudy Gobert into a pumpkin like he does every year in the playoffs. Or if they want to play the Nuggets and try to torture Jokic and pick and rolls for 48 minutes, maybe that's what they would do. But, you know, it's not the worst. It's not the best. Uh, All the teams, the Wizards could be out of the race by the time they play them, so that might be a – Nice. A non-existent roster for Washington, although the Sixers have lost teams like that before, so I wouldn't take those for granted. I, I'm writing off the Suns game right now. I think Devin Booker is going to score like 55, and they'll lose that game because that just seems like a very Sixers thing to do. But oh yeah, do you think they're going to make up any ground in the standings based on that schedule? Like, just even if you're just ignoring everybody else's schedule. Do you think looking at that, they're going to like? Do they go six and two or five and three, or do they just tread water? I think they could get the five seed. I mean, they're tied for it with Indiana, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's completely doable. If they if they win that Pacers game, I think it's likely. Yeah, I'm not so sure they want that five seed to play Miami in round one. But would you rather play ball? Would you objectively, for the Sixers, would you like them to play Miami or Boston? I think... If you're the Sixers. You know, I think they that Joel matches up well with either of those teams, which is how I would start any kind of theoretical there. I think he probably matches up better against Boston, though. Because I, like, yeah, I, I, I think, think Bam be... Adebayo is the best big on either one of those teams. I do think Joel has a significant size and strength advantage there, but... I don't know, man. I like I. I think Tatum has taken another step for Boston, or at least had before this break. It's hard to judge because Boston's really young. Miami's got a lot of young guys too. I, like we've talked about the matchups long before all this uh, fell apart. I do think there's some element with Miami where you know they might just have a bunch of shooters who are first time in the playoffs and and go cold, and they could be an easier out than people think, but. They're a smart, yeah, tough I'm team. Miami. I, I, I would take my chances with the Sixers against either one of those teams. I, I think Toronto and Milwaukee are the two that they're easily the two best teams in the conference. I don't think it's that close either. And I'd, I still think Joel has to prove that he can solve the, uh, the Gasol puzzle before I would feel good against Toronto in their shoes and certainly Milwaukee. I know you feel differently about them, but they've been the best team. I'd rather play Milwaukee than Toronto. 
I mean, they have been the best team, but I'd still rather play Milwaukee than Toronto. You know, I, uh, I'd have to think about that one. I, I think Toronto is less. It's not like it's. I'm obviously like a little facetious when I say these things, but I, Gasol, I, don't, I just think he's kryptonite for Joe. And then they have a bunch of wings that match up well with Ben, and it kind of just goes from there. And then they have Kyle Lowry, and we don't have anyone who can. We not we the seventy sixers. You can say we. You're a really fan. Defend. That's not. I can say we, okay. But I sometimes I don't like to, sometimes when I phrase questions, it comes, I say them to you as if you're another fan. So I'd like to try to fix that a little nah, bit. No, listen, that's that's your role on this podcast, Seamus. You're allowed to say. That's my brand. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting I, I, question, though. I don't know who I, who would be a better. They're better coached to me. I think Nick Nurse They're is just better, more co- yeah. They feel just more cohesive. They feel like a team. More so than Milwaukee does. And obviously star power is what matters. But I think uh, I feel better about the Sixers for some reason. Having to just focus on one guy rather than having eight or nine guys that are going to kill them. Probably because of how poor we've seen the Sixers bench be in the playoffs for the last couple of years. Yeah. And I, I think there is something to the idea that like, you know, they already went on that championship run last year. I know that they lost the biggest piece from that run. But Siakam and Lowry and... They've all been there before. Yeah climbing the mountain and knowing what it takes and being able to dig deep and find that extra gear, especially in a situation where these guys are going to be playing in empty gyms with nothing but like media members and coaching staffs there. I think that that sort of edge might end up meeting a lot when it's all said and done, but could end up meeting nothing. Maybe some like eight seated bullshit team goes on a run like the Knicks did post lockout back in the day. You never know. No, who's uh, could be that guy, Mark Fultz. <laughs> That's what I thought. Thought you were going there. Uh, well, that would be quite a moment. I mean, there was only there was only one place I was going. Can you that. imagine though if that was what happened in the uh, the post COVID end of the season? Sixers fans would lose their goddamn minds. So what? So let's do let's do a bet. So if they make the finals, is there some? Is that like what the bet is, and we'll do something for that? Um. I don't. What would the what would the bet even entail? I know. So I'm trying to think. Does Markel have have a charity that he uh, donate money to That's his charity? If he does, if Markel Fultz in the match made the finals, I will see what his charity is if he has one and donate fifty dollars. I'm happy to sign up with you on that one. So we are. Uh, you guys feel free. Otherwise, to he hold us accountable. Otherwise, he owes me like two years of blogging. <laughs> like mental space um more so circling back on the schedule a little bit i i believe as of right now the framework is such that the league will probably run through october i think the draft is going to happen i don't remember the exact date but mid to late october and then the league wants to get going as soon as early december which Sounds early to me, but I was having a discussion with someone. It, is, it feels early. I was having a discussion with someone recently, and when you think it out, it's like, okay, these guys basically just had a full off season. I know they didn't get to travel. They certainly didn't have access to gyms and stuff like they normally do during an off season. But they had a, the length of a full off season with the coronavirus situation. By the time they return, it'll be longer than that. And eight teams are already done until 
the beginning of next season. So that's a big chunk of the league. Then you consider the, was it the six teams who won't make the playoffs that are in the, the, so it's 22, the six that won't make it. That'll be 14 teams are done by probably mid-August. So that's like, it's basically half the league is going to have a couple months, maybe three months, depending on how the timing works to rest up recuperate and have an off season and so when you think of it that way it really the only teams that are seriously impacted are the teams that are going on deep playoff runs and i think some of those teams are the ones that are going to be heavy with load management and things like that anyway so i don't know if it seems as if it's as crazy as maybe it looks on first glance but you know if they could push it to christmas you and i have been pushing that idea for forever i'd be fine with that i mean you think it could restart the whole idea and system in place for what the league schedule is i think they're trying to avoid that and i think that's probably why they're going early december but i think that's the wrong approach to take here yeah i think they should just take it in stride as much as you could take a global catastrophe in stride Yeah, I wonder how much of it is, and this is all speculation, this is not reporting based on anything, but I wonder if there are owners who are pushing for more short-term income from, you know, it's not going to be fans and revenue, but TV money, like the sooner the wheels get turning on games played, and, and maybe they're thinking if there's a second wave of COVID that hits sometime in the winter, they want to get games in while they can in early December before maybe it picks back up again. I don't know what the reasoning would be. Uh, I think the interesting thing on both ends of this, both the end of the 2020 season and start of 21-22, is that I wonder how much of an imprint the NBA playoffs have in the middle of football season. Like I know baseball has tailed off in popularity generally, so it's hard to judge, you know, like what the World Series does in the the early stages of a football season. But I don't know where the NBA Finals, even Conference Finals, place compared to, you know, like Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, even like the weekly games between the Eagles yeah, and whoever. Game seven of the finals would be the same night of a, I believe, Saints-Chiefs game. And... I would say, unless LeBron James is playing in that game, the football game would outperform it. Would you agree there? Yeah, and I think a lot of that is domestically, yes. I think that that's a, that's a huge draw yeah, NFL yeah. Domestic, game. Domestic, yeah, that's a good point. And like, certainly you're getting more eyeballs internationally on the NBA. And, you know, I just, we have no precedent for any of this. So... I don't know, uh, but I do think it's weird because part of the reason that you'd want to move the season to Christmas is to avoid football, and that's been part of why that discussion has kept going, not just among fans, but people who make decisions that are in boardrooms. Media members like ourselves. (laughs) Um, But now they're running into the opposite problem, where at the end of their season is being impacted by football. So uh, I'm sure they're going to try to get it finished sooner rather than later. But, you know, I'm very interested in that because I, as you do, Seamus, I I still love football, even though I feel more conflicted about it than I did as a kid when I loved watching guys get 
blown to smithereens. This should be out of yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm excited for sports to come back. But as a as an observer, just very fascinated to see what takes priority when there are those clashes of regular season football versus not just the NBA, but basically absolutely anything else. Other postseason sports. Uh, the league is always pushing for Le- LeBron or the Lakers to make it far in the playoffs, but I'd have to imagine this year more than ever, given the possibility that, you know, fan attention or fan excitement might be down because of all of this. And especially when it's, uh, going to be faced up against football season and even college football season to a degree. Uh, I think they have to have to want. Uh, or maybe not have to need LeBron to make it to carry them through with the TV ratings, even more so than they need LeBron usually. And I'm not exactly sure who the Eastern Conference team they would would want that to be to ideally play against them. Obviously, Giannis is a is a megastar. You know, will be a multi-time MVP winner uh, when the season's said and done. But you know, would you think they would want it to be like LA, Boston, or something like that? Or I think LA, Miami. It, based on how the NBA likes the market thing. star versus star i think they would probably most want Giannis lebron because that's a, the stereotypical like passing of the Old torch generation, type new moment. generation yeah um but to your point i do think there's something to be said for milwaukee is not a big market and so there you know i i don't know what the the perfect answer is there i i do think that Giannis lebron is the the preferred outcome i would love to watch that I think that would be... I would too. I think it would be great. I'm going to watch regardless. I I think, to your point, I think when the NBA returns, I think they'll do absolutely insane ratings. I I do think they'll exceed expectations early and they're going to probably undershoot later because of football. And not just the NFL. you You also have to consider college football and its prominence around the country too like there there will be people that watch basketball in late july early august that normally wouldn't and but they're not going to stick around for the playoffs they're watching basketball because it'll be one of the few things available to them and once their preferred options are on the table they'll be quick to choose them first but you know we will be sticking with them if uh if it's if it's not the Sixers or not LeBron in that game seven, I'm probably gonna watch Chief Saints. <laughs> well, I will be watching basketball most likely, but I, if different. if I have to, oh, go pull out dual screens, get the dual screen set up. Yeah, and uh, I'll have my own uh, my own office and my new apartment soon, so I'm, Ooh, I'll, maybe I'll just maybe mustache. I'll turn it into a cave of, of multiple TVs. We'll see. I don't know if I have the budget Derek for that. Bonner but, style. Uh, maybe one day. Uh, I think we'll probably skip. I don't. I don't have a loser of the week this week. Yeah, it's 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 going to be put on the back burner for a little bit, given the current. Yeah, and and in Rudy Gobert's honor for shutting down the haters on Twitter yeah, and it's... participating in, uh, you know, using his voice for good, we'll give him a reprieve for a week, and we'll thank you all for listening. Uh, if you haven't for some reason already and are listening to this podcast, please. Hit the subscribe button. Give us some five-star reviews. And please. And do your best to impact change and, and stay involved with at least locally in your communities and, and try to make the world a better place. So we'll, we'll talk to you guys soon. Talk to you.